Today is Holy Wednesday and we are continuing our retreat. Today I would like to share with you and reflect together on two of the intimate friends of Jesus, two of his chosen, two of the twelve, Peter and Judas. Years ago I was down in Mexico and I was accompanying a group of families on mission during Holy Week. And I remember they were beautiful days as we played with the children and organized catechism classes for the young people and the parents. Well, one of the days, it may have even been Holy Wednesday, we went to a prison. And I remember it was very crowded and a lot of men squeezed into very tight quarters. And after hearing many confessions, they asked me if I would celebrate the Eucharist. And we went to the cafeteria. Everything was in, made out of concrete. Nothing was movable. Nothing could be picked up. The tables were heavy and the benches were all built in. And I said to myself, what can I say to these men? And it struck me that I shared something in common with them that they and I were sinners. We are all sinners. The question is, what kind of sinner will you be? Will you be a sinner like Peter? Or will you be a sinner like Judas? Let's look at these two figures from Scripture. What can we learn from their lives? And what does it say to us today? Judas, we don't know much about him. Some scripture scholars say that he was from Judea, not from the north, not from Galilee, like the rest of the eleven. Perhaps he had more education. We don't know. What we do know is that Jesus entrusted him with the common purse, the money, that was gathered and given to Jesus and Jesus put Judas in charge to pay for their expenses, food, to give money to the poor. Jesus trusted Judas with that. Perhaps, like I said, he had more education than the others. Perhaps they looked up to him. We can presume that Judas, like most of the Jews and the followers of Jesus, conceived of Jesus as a political Messiah, one who was coming to cast off, to break off the shackles of the Roman oppression, to liberate the chosen people, to restore the glory of the temple and the glory of the people and the 12 tribes of Judah. We know that Judas had seen the miracles like the other 11. We can think of the multiplication of the loaves where Jesus had the apostles group everyone into fifties and hundreds. And after blessing the bread, he gave it to the 12. Perhaps they got a quarter of a loaf or half a loaf. And then he, he sent them out for them to feed these big groups. And Judas went. 
Judas went with that half a loaf and and he didn't know what he was doing, but he went. And as people reached and grabbed, he, he noticed that there was more and more bread and he was able to feed everybody. And I'm sure his heart was swelling with enthusiasm, just like everyone else. And the scripture says they wanted to make Jesus a king at that moment. And I'm sure Judas was thinking, this is the moment. We have all these people together. Let's now march on Jerusalem. Let's gather the scattered tribes of Israel and march on the holy city with our new king and rise up in revolution and cast out these terrible and oppressing Romans. And what does Jesus do? First, he sends away the twelve, go to the other side on the boat, I'll catch up with you. And then Jesus, the apostles can see from the boat, sends the crowds away. What was going on in the heart of Judas? Was he thinking, gosh, what a missed opportunity. That was our chance. What is the master doing? He's out of his mind. Is he scared? Is he a coward? Is he confused? How could he not see this wonderful opportunity? Perhaps this disillusion became resentment. Perhaps Judas started to stoke those fires of irritation until it became more and more anger inside. Perhaps he took out that frustration on the other twelve bickering or perhaps he withdrew into himself we don't know we can use our imagination we do know as john tells us in his gospel that judas being in charge of the common purse helped himself to the contents what did he do with that money was he buying food, some special things for himself as some way of compensating for taking the edge off this anger that he was pushing down inside of him. Well, it reached a tipping point. And Holy Week, they were all gathered. They had gone up to the Holy City, to Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands of people, pilgrims from all over Israel and other parts of the world, had come to the holy city for the great feast of Passover. And Judah said, surely this is the moment. And again, he was frustrated by Jesus. He just continued to teach in the temple. And the opposition of the Pharisees and the chief priests was mounting. And the apostles could perceive this. Judas took matters into his own hands. He no longer trusted Jesus, the master. He didn't trust the ways of the good shepherd. And he said, I'm going to force Jesus' hand. And we know that he went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. How did Jesus treat Judas? 
Well, we can see in the Last Supper accounts of the evangelists that he treated him, that he protected Judas. The other 11 didn't know that Judas was about to betray Jesus. Even when he gives him the piece of bread and in the Gospel of John, he says, go and do what you must do it quickly. The others thought he was sent on an errand by Jesus to go and perhaps buy more food for the feast or give something to the poor. And John said he went out and it was night. Darkness had enveloped the heart of Judas. That door that he had opened after the multiplication of the loaves, perhaps, the devil had gotten his foot and now he was taking over the heart and the mind and the hands of Judas. But Jesus protected him. We know also that Jesus respected Judas' freedom. He knew that Judas was taking from the common purse. And yet he allowed him. I think of parents who suffer when they see their children making bad decisions and poor choices. That's the heart of Jesus that aches like those parents. And yet he allows us our freedom. And Jesus never lost hope in his human heart. He always reached out in friendship to Judas. Even at the last moment when Judas comes with the soldiers sent by the chief priests and kisses him, Jesus says, friend, friend. Let us now turn to Peter. Peter was a sinner too. I'm not sure if you have seen the wonderful new series. It's a Netflix-like series called The Chosen. About Jesus and especially about the apostles. And they invent all kinds of backstories. Very interesting. Peter, they portray as quite a character. A little bit of a scoundrel who has a good heart but... He gets into trouble and ends up with a lot of debts and he hatches this plan to help up the Romans catch some of the Jewish fishermen, his, his Jewish people who were fishing on the Sabbath. But his plan backfires and he ends up with one night to catch a lot of fish and so be able to pay his debt before he loses not only his boat but his house and his reputation. And we know that he didn't catch anything that night. Jesus shows up that morning in this episode and tells Peter to throw out his nets for a catch. And we know Peter was in broad daylight. I've spent the whole night. I know this lake like the back of my hand. There are no fish out there. I've tried. And yet something in the heart and the eyes of Jesus convinces Peter and he throws out the catch for throws out the nets for a great catch. And when he sees the miraculous catch that he has made of fish, what does he do? But he falls down to his knees in front of Jesus and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Like Judas, Peter knew that he was a sinner. 
fast forward to that fateful evening, Holy Thursday, when Peter has followed Jesus into the garden of the, the high priest, the house of the high priest with John. And then around that fire, people notice that he has a different accent, a Galilean accent. And that little servant girl calls him out. You are one of his followers. I've seen you. I recognize you. And Peter utters those fateful words. I do not know the man. I do not know him. And swearing, he says, I do not know him. Three times he denied our Lord. And he went out and wept bitterly. Judas also had remorse for his sins. We know that he went back to the chief priests and he handed back the 30 pieces of silver. But what was the difference? Both were repentant. But here is the difference. Peter never lost faith in the mercy of Jesus. Jesus had said to him at the Last Supper, Behold, Satan has demanded to sift you all like wheat. But Simon, I have prayed for you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter remembered those words. And he went back to Mary. He went back to the upper room on Holy Saturday. Repentant, trusting that Jesus had forgiven him. Judas, however, took matters again into his own hands and he took his life. Perhaps in that last second, we don't know, perhaps he repented. We pray that he did. Let us now turn to ourselves. What can we learn from these two examples? We know like Peter and Judas, we too are sinners. But do we trust in God's mercy? I remember years ago, I was at a Catholic conference and a woman came to me in tears and she had been struck by one of the speakers and she confessed to me that she had committed an abortion many, many years ago and every day it haunted her. And for some reason, I said to her, what about taking that opportunity, that stigmata that you feel, that open wound of your abortion, use that as an opportunity to pray, to speak to your beloved child who is safe with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit took over and I said to her without really thinking, did you give your child a name? And she said, I didn't realize I could do that. And I said, give your child a name. And she knew in her mother's heart the sex of that child. And she said that it was like a great weight had been lifted off her shoulders. That is the power of God's mercy. That is the gift that Jesus wants to give to all of us sinners. The question is, 
not whether or not you and I are sinners, but what kind of sinner will you be? Will you be like Judas or will you be like Peter?